I'm thankful to be with you tonight as we're in a very uh, informative text of Scripture. I wanted to tonight to be especially alert because we're dealing with some uh, very profound considerations. We welcome those who have joined us on live stream. We're going to be in John 17, verses 25 and 26, the last two verses in this chapter. The most extended recorded prayer of Jesus is in the Bible. O righteous Father, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. That it had not that had not happened up until this point, and it will not happen until about fifty days after this. Yeah. That's Jesus, he's praying for what's going to happen. Amen. Now in this uh in this text, we're being exposed to the centrality of knowing God the Father. It's a central matter. Knowing, not knowing about God. I want to distinguish this. We're not talking about knowing about God, having information about God, knowing what the Bible says about God. All of that's necessary, but that's not what this is about we're on tonight. In the Gospel of John, there are 71 references in 66 verses to the word know. And know doesn't mean know about. Know is an intimate exchange of understanding. Like Adam knew Eve. See, that's that kind of know. The primary knowledge is the knowledge of God. That's the primary, the fundamental knowledge. If, if a person doesn't know God, it doesn't make any difference what else they know. The knowledge of God is also referred to as the knowledge of the Lord or the knowledge of the Most High. There is also the knowledge of his ways and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. There's also the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's referred to as a knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. It's all talking about the same, yeah. same knowledge. As used in these texts, knowledge, by definition, is the recognition of God. It's the discernment of God, the comprehension of His will, understanding His ways and His work. Knowing where he's present, mm -hmm. knowing where he's absent. It's a working familiarity with God, an acquaintance, as is stated in Job, acquaint now thyself with the Almighty and be at peace. This is not academic knowledge, although academic knowledge, knowing the text of Scripture, that's necessary to have this other knowledge, but that's not the knowledge we're talking about here. The Pharisees and scribes, they knew the text, but they didn't know God. 
That's right. As stated in this text, the world says the world doesn't know you. The world, by definition, is everyone who's not reconciled to God. Everyone who hasn't been born again. This is the world we've been delivered from. He's delivered us from this present evil world. Now, the closer a person is to the world and to to its vortex, which is like a whirlpool that sucks you down into it, the closer you are to the world, the further you are from God. The closer you are to the world, the least apt you are to be able to come to know God. I mean, that's easier to say, but <laughs> this, is not, this is not generally comprehended. If a person is sucked into the ways of the world again, he has to be delivered again. And there's no uh, procedures or what's involved. In rec- it's not spelled out in Scripture. He doesn't tell you how. He just tells you that there's... If you try and recover one of these, you, got, you have to be careful. Yes. And he does say there, is, there are some people that can't be recovered. Yeah. If you know God, you'll be able to mm-hmm. pick up some on this at any rate. There are some people, if they fall away, they can't be renewed to repentance. That's what Hebrews 6 says. So when you keep that in mind, you, got, you, get, you don't get close to the world. You don't, you don't get absorbed in the things that pertain only to the world. You don't, you don't let those monopolize your life. Amen. So let's look at this uh, text because Jesus, this is a fervent prayer that he is praying. Oh, righteous Father. Let's look at that. Some versions say Father of righteousness. Some say just God. Father, you are holy, the upright one. Now I want to establish that this righteousness, this is the principle attribute of God everything God does has to be in righteousness now God isn't righteous he hasn't acquired righteousness there's not a standard of righteousness over here and God conforms to that standard see that's that's not the way that's how righteousness is over here and you've got to obtain it but that's God doesn't measure up to a pre-existing standard of righteousness he is righteousness Amen. That's right. That's right. he's called the Lord our righteousness Amen. Ezra 9.15 says O Lord God of Israel thou art righteous now this, it may sound like this is a surface distinction, but you'd be surprised how people gravitate to thinking about God as meeting the standard of righteousness. No, this is... <laughs> he is the standard of righteousness. The righteous God. Now there are some things God is. You can't change them. I may name a few of them for you because it's not popular to talk about this, but th- these are these are what God is. The Lord, our God, is righteous. Daniel nine fourteen, two places: De- Deuteronomy four twenty four and Hebrews twelve nine. It says God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy four twenty three: God is. A merciful God. Deuteronomy 6.15, God is a jealous God. 
Second Chronicles 39, God is gracious and merciful. Job 36, 5, God is mighty. Psalm 47, 7, God is the king of all the earth. John 333, God is true. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 1, 9, God is light. 1 John 1, 5, God is love. 1 John 4, 8. That's what God is. Amen. Yes, when you know this, God can conduct himself toward you as a merciful God or a consuming fire. The point I'm going to be making in this text is he's righteous in whatever he does. Amen. That's right. If God delivers people it must be right to deliver people if he raises up Pharaoh to show his wrath it's got to be right that he does it God's righteous if God predestinates it's right amen this is kind of surface stuff, but I want to say this because I don't think people acknowledge this. If God punishes or chastens, it's right. If God upholds the weak and makes them stand, it's right. If God justifies sinners, it's right. See, sometimes when people talk about grace, they don't think about it being right. That's right. They think that God has made some kind of concession. Mm -hmm. To save people, he's made some kind of concession. He's placed to the side some part of his character. No, this is is absolutely not true. That's That's what I want to establish tonight. It, yes. It's a it's loose thinking, born of loose expression. That's right. But uh, if God were doing that very thing, setting aside something, like whenever people say, "I, I, I don't deserve," He's given mercy where it wasn't deserved. All right, we didn't. We didn't, on our own merit, deserve yeah. it. But he had to make us deserving of it, so it would be right. Yeah. And he did it in his son, and only in yeah. his son. But to, that's why people can can entertain ideas like, I'm saved, but I'm still sinning. Yeah. Because I'm getting mercy that I don't deserve. Yeah. See, there's... Uh, some loose talk. Now, this is an example of loose talk. If God wanted to, he could save everybody. No, he couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. See? If God wanted to, he could save that person over there. No. That is an improper statement. God can't fail to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Yes? I've heard people... Say I was mad at God. Something, something awful yeah. happened. Or they had a uh-huh. trial, and they said I was mad at God for a while. And that kind of makes you. Yeah, that makes God mad at them. Yeah. Now, people don't know this, but this is the truth. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. You search through Scripture, you you run out of counts when you bring how God got angry. Yeah. And was wrath or wrath, the King James Version says. The point I'm establishing is here is that it's wrong to say God didn't do something that he could do. What would stop God from doing what he wanted to do? He sent Jesus when he wanted to send him. When he purposed to send him. If God says that whoever 
doesn't believe on him has the wrath of God upon him, that's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. The right thing. If he says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. That's right. Amen. If he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that's right. Amen. That's why it happens, is because it's right. Blessings happen because they're right. Yes. Divine abandonment happens because it's right. God's righteous. In the salvation of God, he is being himself. Yes. He's expressing himself. Now, when people persecute and oppose the people of God, when that happens, here's 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, it is a righteous thing yes. with God to recompense tribulation on them that trouble you. See, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right for God to do that. Amen. When people persecute the children of God, yes. it's right if God punishes them. Even, even people who have no knowledge of God, their test, their conscience will testify against them in judging God, because they have a standard of what's right and wrong. Yeah. What do they base that on? On themselves, yeah. what their nature is. They, they, but. God's constraint is his own character and nature. He's That's right. not going to deny himself. Yeah. See, a, a person who claims identity with, identity with Christ is out of order by saying, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Hmm? But there has been a form of Christianity raised up that sanctifies that expression. Yeah. Oh, no. You're going to question God? Or are you going to say God doesn't have control? Or are you going to say God's not governing things? Are you, is that what you're going to say? Why is this happening to me? You might like to ask God that, and he'll tell you there is always a reason Amen. why it's happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. A God-ordained reason right. why it's happening to you. Yeah. And Nebuchadnezzar, he, he said these words, I don't know if you have it in here or not, but he says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. Now this is Nebuchadnezzar talking. Yeah. He says that he doeth according to his will in the army yeah. of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That's right. He, he, he is God. That's right. Now this is, a, it sounds like it's, like it's a hard teaching, but it's not. This is this is liberating teaching. Amen. It'll free you from the dreadful curse of complaining. Because yeah. God several times in Scripture murmurs the Bible word for complaining. Tells you how he reacted to it. Because people complain because they don't see this truth. Yeah. God is righteous. Amen. That's what's not seen. That's why Jesus said, I know, I know you. Yes, amen. He never questioned God. He didn't say, why do I have to die? That's right. And also, what, like you already said, this is liberating. But if you have a righteous God, then, then whatever he does, you can rest in it. That's it's right. It's a comfort. That's right. Amen. You know that it, if you lean on the Lord, if you really do, that doesn't mean you'll never experience some shipwrecks. That's right. That doesn't mean that no one will ever beat you. Yeah. Huh? It doesn't mean you'll never be stoned. Mm -hmm. It means that whatever happens, he's governing it and yeah. causing it to come to pass. Amen. Amen. The fact that Stephen was stoned. Look how many people have been blessed in the history of the world by how he reacted when he was stoned. Yes. Amen. See, not everybody could pass through something like that, yeah. but he, Stephen could go through that Amen. vicious stoning and leave a testimony that the world has never forgot. That's right, man. It also 
also says that God is not unrighteous to forget. <laughs> That's right. Blood. That's love toward him. Mm -hmm. And so whatever is happening, mm -hmm. God God is watching that. And yeah. there he's he's ready with a reward for your faithfulness. Amen. Yes. Amen. Now in further development of this that God's righteousness, his righteousness is his premier trait. Mm -hmm. I know people say love is premier trait. That's not true. Mm -hmm. I'm going to show that it was it's not true. It's it's definitely a, a character trait of God. I understand that God is love, but that's not that's not what drives everything he does. Mm -hmm. What he does does not have to sift through his love. But I'm going to show you it does have to sift through his righteousness. Yeah. All right, this text we're going to look at is Psalm 85, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. All right, now the salvation of men must be right. Amen. Yes. Now, mercy saw the necessity of pardon, but righteousness couldn't consent to it because all were guilty. It was not right to confer blessing upon them at that point. Peace desired to be conferred upon men, but truth forbade it because it wasn't right in that condition. Now, praise God, Jesus appears on the scene. He puts away sin by the sacrifice of himself, makes it the end of sin, Daniel said. And now, mercy and truth can get together. Yeah, amen. See? Yeah. Now, truth and peace can get together. Yes, amen. Mm -hmm. Righteousness. Yeah. Everything has to sift through God's righteousness. Salvation has to be right. Yeah, amen. It was not right to save anybody until sin was put away, Satan had been destroyed, principalities and powers had been plundered, the law had been ended as a means to righteousness, death had been conquered. Salvation could not occur until those things took place. God's righteousness forbade it. To save. But now it's right. To save whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. <laughs> what a wonderful truth. <laughs> now he says, The world hath not known thee. As I said, the world is everyone who's not in Christ. Everyone who's not believing on Christ. Everyone who hasn't fled to him for refuge. All such people do not know God is righteous that he is the righteous father. They don't know God. They don't know this is what he is. Otherwise, they'd flee to him. They do not know that it's right for God to have wrath abiding on the people who don't believe on the Son. They don't know it's right to justify someone who was a very low, profligate sinner. But it was right when God forgave him because he trusted in Christ. God is properly referred to as righteous father. And everyone who is fundamentally unlike God is unrighteous. Yeah, yeah, amen. That's right. Everyone who receives what God gives in righteousness is righteous before God. 
That's why the mandate is said, because God's righteous. That's the point I'm establishing. God is righteous. That's why this mandate is given, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let's cleanse ourselves, let's cleanse ourselves, let's cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why? God's righteous. That's why. Say someone has a tendency to default to earthly involvements. God sees that. It's not right. Why do people choose the lesser? Why do they do it? Because they don't know God is righteous. That's what they don't know. That's why we're to run with patience the race set before us, because God is righteous. It would not be right for a slew of people to enter into glory that never ran the race or never finished the race. That would, be, that would not be right. Yes, Brother Dave. Romans 3, 24. Being yeah. justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith, in his blood to declare his righteousness. That's right. The remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. Yeah. That he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Yes, amen. 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 We'll deal with that, too. You see, Jesus gave himself. Yeah. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Yeah, that's right. But when it comes to the actual forgiveness, mm -hmm. God is righteous. Mm -hmm. yeah, Jesus died for you because he loved you. Yeah. Uh -huh. God forgave you because he's righteous. Yeah, man. Amen. Yeah. Now, when you realize that, you can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Mm -hmm. And you're willing to live for him. Yes. Jesus is sacrificed satisfied. Yeah. That's right. Amen. It's his righteousness that is satisfied. Right. Uh -huh. Because God demanded there be an atonement for sin. Yeah. He showed over a period of 1,500 years that no matter how many sacrifices you offered and how much blood you offered, it couldn't touch this righteousness of God. Yeah. Amen. This is also why people have to be born again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because God is righteous. That's why. That's why you're told to seek the things that are above. Mm -hmm. Because God is righteous. That's why. Mm -hmm. That's why you're to set your affection on things above and seek the things mm -hmm. that are above, not, not on earth. Because God is right. That's, you don't do this because you have to do it. Yeah. You do it because God is righteous. And when you see that and you want to be identified with God, you don't want anything between you and God. So because he's righteous, you'll run through fire and leap over a wall and whatever is necessary. Because God is righteous. I have known thee, he said, I, I have known thee. Other verses read, Yet I've known thee. American Standard Version, English Revised Version, they have a faulty translation. They say, I knew thee. That's, that's not proper. That's not proper. I know, I, I have known thee. That is to say, from the beginning I have known thee. See, that's what he's saying. He's not saying, In the past, sometime I knew you. That's not what he's saying. See, from, from the instant I entered into the world and had consciousness, I've, I've known thee. I know thee. Jesus went on to declare, No man at any time has seen the Father. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So, no. You cannot learn God by studying nature. You can't. Took a history of the world to show it's 
Nobody ever did. Nobody ever did see the real God in creation. Nobody ever did. You'd not know that. His power in God had his sin. You'd not know it if he hadn't said it. That shows what sin did now to the human race. The fact that no one knew God, and yet God desired to be known, that's why he sent Jesus into the world. That's the root foundational reason why he sent him here. You're not the basic reason. You're not the basic reason he sent. And his righteousness was what he, re- that's the basic thing he wanted to be known. Because he knew once you see who God is, you will not hesitate to live for him. If you don't, you won't be able to consistently. We have to remember, we were created for him. That's right. He is not there for us. Exactly, as far as <laughs> One time Jesus stood in the temple relatively early in his ministry and he cried out saying ye both know me and ye know whence I am that's why they call him Jesus of Nazareth and I am not come of myself but he that sent me is true whom ye know not but I know him for I am from him and he has sent me that's the part the people bought that Mm -hmm. that's what they couldn't receive there are still people that don't receive this, but they don't say it just like this. They don't believe it. We know they don't because they don't receive Christ. They don't believe on Christ. You may apologize for them, and maybe they're your close relatives or your old mate or whatever, and you may offer an explanation for it, but, but the real reason is they don't know God. They don't recognize Jesus. The knowledge of God is not a borrowed knowledge. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I can't take my understanding of God and give it to you. I, yeah. I can tell you what I know. If it's truth, God works through the truth. Mm-hmm. But you can't get knowledge of God from another person who had to acquire it too. Yeah. You can only acquire it mm-hmm. by it being given to you. Amen. And it's only given to you if you come to Jesus. Because no man knows who the God is. No one knows who the Father is, except the Son and he to whom he wills to reveal him. Why don't people know God? Mm -hmm. That's why. They haven't come to Jesus. (laughs) His knowledge of God, as I mentioned, is not a borrowed knowledge. Mm -hmm. John 8, 55 says, Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. (laughs) But I know him and keep his saying. Now you'll know, if you know God, and you've ever tried to testify this to somebody else, you'll know that you can't convince them. They'll think you're a know-it-all or that you're bragging or something like that, but... I could just speak for myself. If I was to say I don't know God, I'd be lying. Yeah. Uh-huh. I do know him. I don't know him to the fullest extent. Jesus knew him to the fullest extent. But that's what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us about God so we can know him to the fullest extent, like he knows him. Amen. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing what he said. Yes. Amen. Or in knowing God and knowing what Jesus mm-hmm. or God did. Mm-hmm. For example, the Pharisees had intellectual knowledge of the scriptures, but they didn't know God. So when God gave the premier mm-hmm. revelation of who he is, sending his son, That's right. they, didn't, they didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why didn't they see it? They didn't know God. Mm-hmm. Amen. A former blind man whom Jesus had healed, he saw enough. He didn't, he didn't yet know who Jesus was, but he saw enough of God that he could say this. He could say, he, the Pharisee said, this man is not of God. 
this healed blind man said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. See, he had he had a better understanding of God than these theologues had. That's something. <laughs> they saw Jesus personally, and they heard him. They saw his works, and yet they said, this man is not of God. The blind man reasoning on the miracle he'd received, he didn't know who he was. If this man wasn't of God, I'd still be blind. When the law was given, certain ordinances were given that told the people how to go about obeying the Ten Commandments. Called the Law of Commandments contained in ordinances. That is, the ordinances told you how to love God, told you how to love your neighbor, hmm? yeah. told you how to keep the Sabbath days. It gave you the how-to instruction. The Law of Commandments contained in ordinances. Some other verses read the Law with its commandments and ordinances. That's the NIV. His commands set forth in the form of ordinances. See, the commandments were set forth, and God didn't write the ordinances. Moses wrote the ordinances. God told them what to write, but Moses wrote the ordinances. That's why they're called the handwriting of ordinances. Why were those ordinances necessary? Because the people didn't know God. That's why the ordinances were necessary. They could read the commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord, the summation commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord, thy God, with all the heart, soul, mind, strength, so with the neighbors, thyself. But they didn't know God, so they didn't know how to, how to apply that. They didn't know how to do that. So the commandment contained in these ordinances told them how to do it, what to eat when to eat, what to wear, how to make clothing, how to plow, how to sow your seed. He, he told them how to do it. But in Christ, this is not the approach. The gospel is not contained in ordinances. By comparison now, David saw deeper into the law. He didn't see the fullness of it, but he saw more than the Pharisees saw. He was able to connect the law with God. So he said, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Why did he say that? He saw enough of God to know that's what needed to be done. Again, he said, Make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of all thy wondrous works. Why did he say that? He saw enough of God to understand that's what he needed. Because he knew God so well as he could at that time, David confessed, Oh God, oh how love I thy law. Well, that wasn't said at Mount Sinai. That wasn't said by the Israelites when they were journeying to the desert. He knew God as well as God could be known. He said, I love thy precepts. My soul hath kept thy testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I know, Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. See? That's what just a little relatively small amount of knowledge of God will move a person to do. Amen. If they just know what it was exposed under the law, if they just knew that, a person who took it seriously would, would reason like this. The awareness was driven by David's acquaintance with God. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, the man Christ Jesus, of course, is the one who knows God most thoroughly and is in per, a perfect, unwavering accord with God. There's at no point where, where Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, and God the Righteous One are at variance. <laughs> There's no such thing. That's why he's the one that's bringing us to God. Yeah. That's, why, yeah. that's why God assigned him to do it, because he knows God, so he's bringing us to God. Amen. 
and he's leading the sons to glory because he's the one that knows God. Thank God he's the one that's leading us. He's the one who's making intercession for us. Not because he knows us, because he knows God. He's the one that's been seen mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Not because he knows you, because he knows God. The man Christ Jesus. These, he said, have known that I, thou hast sent me. Now this doesn't refer to just intellectual knowledge, like knowing what the manual says about a machine, but not being able to build a machine or repair it. Not that kind of knowledge. This is ex- what we call experiential knowledge. You've, you've experienced something or seen something that produced whatever knowledge you have. One time they said, just the same evening, they said, Now we're sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Or Jesus, Jesus cited that very thing to God in his prayer. They, they believe whatever deficiencies they may have. They believe I came out from you. Why do they believe that? Because Jesus taught them and showed them. He lived out what it means to believe. This is why before Philip would baptize the Ethiopian eunuch, he had to hear that eunuch say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why did he have to hear that? Because that confession made it right. Yes, amen. And we're, we're told, remember when we said that Peter, he said, flesh and blood hath, hasn't revealed this to you. Yeah. So see, this is when divine activity is involved in, in your repentance, then see, you, not only should you be baptized, you want to be baptized. That's right. You want to do whatever God You just does. have to be told. That's right. See, that's, God uses... God doesn't guide people just intuitively. He sends people to tell them. Amen. That's right. Sent Jesus, and then Jesus sent the apostles. Mm-hmm. And then those that believe them, they've someone's gotta tell the people Amen. what Amen. God requires. You can't just if you don't know God, how are you going to distinguish between Leviticus and Romans? How are you gonna tell the difference between those books? How are you going to distinguish the Old Covenant from the New Covenant? You've got to know the righteous God. Amen. Amen. That means Jesus has to make him known. Yes. Then the Holy Spirit has to come to the yes. people Jesus sends so they can make it known. Amen. That's what they preached. This is the kind of message they preached. Uh-huh. Now, when you read through the Acts of the Apostles, which gives you about five or six extended messages, you read through the Epistles, and you pretty soon you'll pick up mm-hmm. that they're not really just telling people what to do. Yeah. They're telling people who God is, yes. what God has done because of who he is, Amen. what Jesus did because of who God is. Mm-hmm. And then there, that's when you see that, uh-huh. it becomes reasonable Amen. to yes. obey God. Amen. You know, this, uh, this text in 2 Corinthians 5.24, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. in him. Now, in the new covenant, we've been made new. That's right. Which means we've been, we have a new capacity, but in order in order for that capacity to be activated or, or usable, we have to be, like you said, taught or trained that's right. up. And that's what these apostles, they, were, they, they ordered things in such a manner that if, when you come into the kingdom, you can have a sense, this, this is right. This, I should right. do this. What, what, why do you have that sense? Because God's imputed unto you his own righteousness. You feel at home or comfortable yeah. in the presence of God. Yeah. That's when you know, when you know this, you yes. know. Amen. You have to know it. And, and, uh, you pick up on this in the epistles. That's what he would tell. He would tell the people what God's like. Yes. If they were like 
lagging behind like the Hebrews, he says, look, God's a consuming fire. You don't want, you don't want to be a spiritual midget. Yes, amen. This angers God. When God led Israel out of Egypt... And then they commenced to murmur, and they weren't satisfied with manna, and they didn't like the water. And they, they provoked. Yes, amen. Ten times yes, amen. they provoked God, and he finally said, that's it. That's right. The griping generation, not one person's going to get into the promised land. That's what happened. Well, the apostles tell us about that God. Yes. Some people object to it. They, they, they don't want to hear about this God. Mm. But this is God. This is who God is. Yes. On the other hand, if you lean fully on Christ, mm. yeah. you believe, even if you don't understand a lot, but you really want to, mm. this is pleasing to God. Amen. I will tell you something else. You can't interpret your own feelings. There's no diagnostic tool that will teach you the spirit's doing this or the flesh is doing this. You can't tell. That's why it's spelled out. It would just be a confusing teaching, which it is to some people. Some people conclude because I'm tempted, because I have these thoughts, I'm not saved, see? That's how they reason. Because they don't know God. That's what the trouble is. They don't know God. So the doctrine teaches the people about God. Yes, Yes, God's love. But that's not all He is. That's not even the principal thing He is. Now the love of God, it says that the love wherewith you loved me will be in them. The love of God is is a love that dispenses and reveals as compared to saving from sin and delivering from Satan. Now he does save from sin, he does deliver from Satan, but that's introductory. That's introductory work. Now we learn that he dispenses and reveals. He supplies and equips as compared to making alive and making acceptable. See? Mm-hmm. There are certain things that have to be done to get in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that have to be done to stay in. Yeah, that's, right. that's the kind of love that requires us to live unto the Lord to live by faith, to walk in the Spirit, perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. Now, as I'm praying this, that this love you have for me might be in them. Now, if God loves you, the reason He loves you is because He loves His Son who lives in you. You've got to you got to see this. I may lack the ability to unfold this, but this has got to be seen. That Jesus doesn't love you because it's you. He loves you because his son is in you. That the lover with you love me might be in in them. As difficult as it may be to receive, if God didn't love Jesus, he couldn't love you. But God does love Jesus. And the fact that Jesus is in you, if he is in you, that's why he loves you. That's why you've been washed with the washing of regeneration, so God can love you because Christ is in you. That's why Christ dwells in your heart by faith, so God will love you. So God will provide for you. God will listen to you because Jesus is there. If Jesus himself had not been given the Holy Spirit, you couldn't be given the Holy Spirit. You couldn't. The Holy Spirit's in you because Christ is in you. That's why. All of that's involved in the Father's love. 
being in the disciples. I personally want to dwell on this more because this is a this is a deep and with well with cooling water. This answers a whole lot of questions and puts to flight certain doubts. That every the cause for everything, the first cause is God. The cause through which through whom He works Mm -hmm. is Christ. You got Christ, you get what God does. You have Christ, you get what God gives. See? Wonderful to see. Any of you have something you'd like to like to add? Mr. Heather? I've been able to see that um, God's righteousness actually works for our salvation because when we're in Christ, um, we can then um, know that God is faithful because he's righteous and he yeah. and He will keep his promises because yeah. he's righteous. Yes. And that we, we can trust him and, and everything because he's righteous. Amen. Amen. Now, now you can sense this. This is a more firm foundation. Yes, amen. Than just amen. thinking of just you and God, and that's all. This is a more firm amen. foundation. Amen. <laughs> amen. And that's why everything that we ask of God, we do it in Jesus' name. That's right. And it, it's on. It's on. It's because of what He accomplished amen. that even makes it possible for God to have anything to do with this. And, and all, this also dispels a lot of doubt that Satan tries to, to work in you. That's well, right. well you, you can't do this. No, no, wait a minute. We're, we're not talking about me. We're talking about Jesus. Yeah. See, and he doesn't want to, Satan doesn't want to talk about Jesus because he can't, didn't have anything that he can bring up. That's Nothing about in him, yeah. So, but, but this thing, I, I really think that this, this that I, that, that, that you may give them your love because of me, that's a solid foundation. That's right. We get, he can't argue against that. That's right. And why would any of us want to argue? That's right. <laughs> it's good news. I remember the day that it dawned on my soul yeah. that it was right for God to forgive me. For that's Christ's right. Sake. Yes. It's, a, it's an right epoch. for God to forgive you. It's right. an epoch. You go to him and you confess your sins. It's right for God to forgive that's you. That's right. Amen. For Christ's sake. Yes. This text, the brother... Dave read for us. That's one of my favorite texts. Uh-huh. He, he forgave us. It's, it's, uh-huh. it's his righteous. The remission of sins are accounted for in that text yes. because of God's righteousness. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you were, see, but some people think of it that God kind of bent over backwards and in spite of who he is, he forgave. No, it's because he's righteous. That's why. Amen. And the gospel is is to declare that. Yes. That's what Amen. the gospel declares: his righteousness yes. for the remission of sins. Isn't that what it says? Amen. His righteousness for the remission of sins. Amen. So that's the foundational reason. <laughs> Anyone else? Righteousness of God revealed mm-hmm. from faith to faith. That's yes. right. As it is written, the just yes. shall live by faith. Amen. Well, it's, it's a major step forward when you yes. see that. Amen.